Welcome to episode 22 of the Local Meta. My name is Fletcher. And I'm John. So John, how's the how's the sunburn treating you? Uh, my neck is absolute agony. <laughs> my arms actually aren't that bad, but I already had a bit of color in my arms. But I'm pretty sure there are blisters forming on my neck and possibly forehead. Yeah, I had I had my wife put on some, uh, put some cream on my burns because holy cow, <laughs> I use sunscreen as still a little scorch. So just a little a little glimpse behind the scenes for everyone out there. So me and John and a bunch of other friends, we went out and did a uh, Shadowrun themed three gun course that my brother set up that we kind of do. We've done it for the last couple of years. Yeah, this is our second annual, I suppose you would call it. Yeah, we'll go with that. It's good times. I, I succeeded at my goal. My goal was to beat our friend Dan. <laughs> and entertainingly enough, the first through fourth of last year completely reversed this year. Oh, did it? Yeah, because uh, Wilman got fourth previously, I got third, Dan got second, Tucker got first. Huh. You actually stayed the same. Yeah, I suck, man. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Coming dead last. And Wilman crushed it, too. Like, 30 seconds by... He beat my my score by? Sheesh. Like, wow, yeesh. That's yeah, for not, pra- for not practicing at all, you sure I'm... Uh, hold your own out there. I, I try. I'm... I Like I said, I basically make up all my time with pistol work. Because I'm just... Yeah. I'm better with pistols than long arms. I don't know why. It's just how I am. I mean... It, that's just how you how you do it, but here is it. So, for our um, uh, our main topic today, we're gonna kind of chat about basically getting people into magic or um, teaching people how to play, growing your community by in infusing it with new blood, as it were. There we go. So, there's this is kind of this is one of those another one of those topics where I think people have the right intentions, but a lot of times aren't doing the right things to some degree. It is a very common occurrence mm-hmm. where, like, you'll see a new person um, come into, like, a tournament or something, and they're just, like, playing a deck that their significant other built for them. Mm-hmm. And it just doesn't work very well, unfortunately. And it's, like, it's not the fault of the significant other. It's not the fault of the person. They're just they're not introduced to the game in the right way. Yeah, and that's a a big piece. Um, so uh, let's let's just say like how so somebody who does not know magic, how do we expose them to magic? I guess is the big thing. The there's one way that is if it if this doesn't work, nothing will. Mm-hmm. And that's handing them the actual cards. Like, so, I'm pretty sure we've talked both kind of how we started, or at least where we came from, and I'm pretty sure both of us, as soon as you get your hands on some magic cards, even if you have no idea what any of the text means, you're like, holy crap, these are so cool. Yeah, like, absolutely. Like, I, I've actually, I did say that. It's like, you know, I literally saw the art on boxes. Like, I saw an 8th edition Ravenous Rats on a box and i'm like that's the that's the art that stuck out to me and i bought one of every deck they had (laughs) like 
That's how I got into magic. As you yeah. can tell, my spending habits have always been questionable. Yes, but, this is true. <laughs> but you know. yeah, and and like for me, I you know, I I honestly don't remember exactly how it was, but I remember seeing cards from like fourth edition and stuff like that. Um, and I think playing with other people, and it's like this is this is sweet, and then I ended up um, uh, I think it was for for Christmas, I got uh portal kit or like the portal starter decks and i started playing with my brother and um uh like a, uh, a starter of mirage and a starter of fifth edition do you was it first the first or second portal first portal oh, I, I just random side note the art on the second portals lands they're all john avon and they are so gorgeous <laughs> no, I I was one of the few people in the world who was unlucky enough to start with the, the first portal set. <laughs> worst, the worst of the op available options. Yeah, but I mean, it was. But that's the thing is, it was still really, really cool. And I think one of the things that really pulled me into the game too was um, one of my first sets and one of my favorite sets to date. It was Mirage, and that's where I started. And if there's one thing that Mirage had going for it. The art in that set was absolutely amazing. Yes, like it is. If I'm using non full art basics, I'm using Mirage lands. Like, yeah, the lands actually pull me in outside of my draft lands, which are different. Like yeah. they're not my favorite lands, but you know, if I want my lands to match and I don't feel like running full arts, those are what I'm using because mm -hmm. they work and they're gorgeous. Oh, I, the majority of the art in those in that set was just just amazing and astounding it's still every time i see those cards it just pulls me in like oh man like my my favorite the my favorite art on a card is from that set too which one is so, that uh matenda griffin fun fact that was actually going that was one of my potential uh questions for you as my closeout was what is your actual favorite art in magic that that is my favorite art in magic actually was was that specific card I love. I absolutely love the art of that card. Yeah. So there's that, that. So that's kind of an off-topic thing, but but that just shows you how powerful just looking at the cards is in, in for Magic. Even people who don't know anything that's going on, they can just look at them and identify with them and and feel something when they see them. Um, mm -hmm. And that this kind of leads me to one of the first mistakes I think people make when they're trying to get somebody new into Magic. Um, and this comes with the playing part too, is they're so focused on like people like you and me, we play, you know, other formats. We, we know decks, we know strategies, we know all these things. New people don't care about that. Yeah. Like, they want to have fun and it's actually overwhelming for them. It is a, it's, it's a very commonly seen mistake and just one of the worst mistakes where like yeah. you want to get someone into magic and you hand them that your, your spare standard deck. That's or terrible. Even worse, you hand them a random pile of cards and you use a standard deck. Uh, like so, I, uh, I'm just gonna give a, a really quick caveat for this too. Sometimes people are coming from other games already and want to step right into that competitive feel, and yeah. they're not so much needing to. They're not the the baseline person trying to be exposed to magic. Um, they're different. Like, um, if you remember the episode we had uh, Scott on, he talked about going from Magic to Pokemon, and he kind of went. He stepped right into that uh, competitive sort of environment to some degree, um, 
and but he went in knowing that's what he wanted. Yeah, like and he, he and he specifically asked, "How can you relate this to something I know?" That's what he said. Like, "Oh, this blaster deck is like the high tide deck from Legacy or something like that." But and but most people aren't going to be like that. And if somebody is trying to get into it in that manner, they will ask you. Absolutely. Like there, we do actually have a few people at the store who like they're coming into Magic from Yu-Gi-Oh. Mm-hmm. Like they're moving over, like they're they immediately start playing, you know, like more competitive style things because that's what they're used to. They're experienced gamers to a yeah. degree like that. So, and, and that that does play into it and everything. But I mean, I th- I think sometimes even just you know playing games of Magic around people sometimes can can do it. But that has a danger in and of itself too. Um, because, you know, obviously magic is dangerous and you'll put your eye out. But um, the games can get really complex and it can be hard for people to understand. Um, so that's one That's one thing. It's like I think people need to see the game being played, but I think that's one that needs to be used with some amount of caution, if that makes sense. Yeah, like their first exposure to magic as a game should not be Legacy. No, even though it's great. Yeah, like... It took ex- me years to like Legacy. <laughs> expose them to Legacy, because Legacy is a glorious format, but don't let them... Don't let that be the thing that they're, like, learning what how magic works. Mm-hmm. Because Legacy doesn't work by the rules of normal magic. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, kind of on this... You, you mentioned earlier that a lot of times you see the, you know, the person come in with their sweet standard deck and their significant other is just tagging along kind of and stuff like that um mm. that that another piece with this whole thing is is that it's really really exciting to share something you like as much as magic with a person you care about um whether that's a significant other or a good friend or whatever it is but just like any other sort of hobby and stuff like that it don't don't force it on people well that's it's actually i actually had a the exact opposite experience of where I was really into magic and my mm-hmm. ex actually really wanted to be a part of that because she understood how big magic was in my life and mm-hmm. she wanted to be also part of that life I, I've seen that too and even that can be really awkward sometimes It that can cause problems, that's like from gaming, that's like the GM's girlfriend sort of thing yeah, it's like, it's you know, she she would get mad all the time because, as she said, like, why can't you ever let me win? And I said, letting you win doesn't teach you anything. But I have, I do know that I have the problem where I can't bring myself to play optimally. Yeah. And I, I will willingly admit, I am a bad teacher at teaching someone the <laughs> game of magic. Yeah. But I'm very good at teaching someone who wants to get better at magic. And she and she wasn't trying to get better at magic. She no. just wanted to, she wanted to play magic so she could share something with you. Yes, and like it's just not something that clicked in the manner that it needed to. Yeah, like I have I have no fault with her for doing that. I actually really appreciate <laughs> that she wanted to be a part of that. But and like, that is a very sweet thing. But yeah, it was a, it was a shortcoming of mine that I could not adapt myself mm-hmm. to make it better for her. Yeah, and it's one of those things too. It's it's like you know you can say it's like you know what just just the fact that i that you you want to do this i really appreciate that you know you're showing this interest in something i enjoy it's like but you don't have to do this yeah you know just like, like trying to yeah. let them realize that 
Mm-hmm. And it, yeah, if they're trying to enjoy it too hard, it's just you know, if you care about somebody, you don't want to put that kind of burden on them. Yeah, like she she enjoyed playing magic with not me, basically. Yeah, you know, like yeah. She, I I built her a deck, and she'd play with you know like a lot of like the she went to Lady Planeswalkers a few times, and that like she enjoyed playing with them. It's just like I was the problem. So. Yeah, yeah. At least you can recognize it. Yeah, I'm 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 perfectly willing to admit my faults because I know I have a lot of them. Yeah, <laughs> and I think more often than not, it's usually somebody trying to get somebody else to play in these games and stuff like that, and I. I did that in the past, I know. Um, so with my current, with my wife right now, um, she, when when we were dating and everything, um, I mean, the two big things I was into is magic and tabletop gaming. Mm-hmm. And I didn't push her to get into either of those at all. Like, it was something that I was just kind of like, if you, if you want to do this, that's cool, but I don't expect you to to partake in the in my hobbies like you know that's that's totally fine with me like we have you know our relationship is not built on these these things um and funny enough she ended up getting into tabletop gaming with us and really really liked it um and she ended up learning magic and actually can play magic pretty dang well yeah. um for for how much she doesn't play um but she doesn't love magic she usually she kind of it's it, it's a take it or leave it thing for her, and she's kind of like whatever. You yeah, know, like I'm, it's, I'm okay not playing. She's she's perfectly fine and content playing as like a time passer. Yeah, but she really likes tabletop gaming. As I, I kind of asked, said to her one time, I'm like, you know, what, for just from my perception, and she agreed with me. Um, if so, for some reason I just disappeared out of the picture or something like that, and you know, you had to kind of move on with your life or something like that, I could see her just dropping magic and never touching that again. But mm-hmm. I could see her finding another group to tabletop role-playing game with. Absolutely. She's definitely... Like, she gets into that a lot more, too. Mm-hmm. She really enjoys that. But And th- and that's the thing. It's like... Uh, pushing people into into these things that we love is just not the way to go. But, you know, if they want to come and learn, like, that's that's cool. Yeah. Okay. So, so now that we got that out of the way... <laughs> I, I think that's an important piece, but... It very much is. You know, you got to mm-hmm. put the caveat, so... You know, so we get somebody and they're like, okay, we want, you know, I want to learn how to play Magic. This game seems pretty cool. So how do you do that? As you said, John, the first, one of the mistakes I think people make a lot is they just grab a standard deck and they kind of just go for it there. Or they grab even uh, one of the, um, like a pre-con deck or something, or even even worse, an EDH deck. Yeah. All right. People, if you didn't listen to our special epi- or our bonus episode when I we started talking about EDH, do not teach people how to play Magic with an EDH deck. Ever. There's, there's ever, 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 ever. It's a very good casual format. It is not a good beginner format. It is a terrible beginner format. For various reasons that we could For really numerous go reasons. into. Yeah, well, we might cover some of the reasons here, and you'll see why. But, okay, so... Basically, you want to give them... You don't want to give them the simplest game possible, but you want to give them a fairly simple game. When I taught my wife to play, it was ages ago, um, I actually just grabbed my draft, my or just the chaff I had, and I built a green deck and a red deck, mono. Two separate decks. 
Um, and I taught her how to play with those two decks. Mostly creatures, some spells in it and everything like that, but that is what we learned how to play with. <laughs> um, and l- decks like that are... Like, I actually do have one... I have a deck of each color of magic specifically for the purpose of teaching people, even though I know I'm bad at it. Because, like, And I, I built them with the intent of trying to expose my ex to different like styles of magic because she only really played like one types and i'm like well i'm just gonna build these so there's different you know you can Mm -hmm. get a feel for what each of the different colors does yeah and i specifically like i remember i showed them all to you and i tried i made them have a lot of like the iconic cards of magic without Mm -hmm. being broken like it was actually really really hard for me to build the blue deck because I didn't. I didn't know if I wanted to build the blue to be tempo or what. And like, none of the decks have rares in them except for the blue deck because I couldn't find a good blue finisher that wasn't rare. It's tough. Um, yeah. If so, if yeah. I was actually to remake them, I would actually probably replace the rare sphinxes with um, the new Paragon Drake because I that, okay. that's actually a very good blue finisher. Mm-hmm. And so. The decks you don't want obviously don't want a lot of complicated cards. You want something kind of splashy, but the thing is also you want a kind of a number of duplicates in the deck too. Like I don't think it should be all four ofs, but you know you want you want some three ofs, a couple of three ofs of some basic cards, and like a one of of a splashy card or you know stuff like that, um, because it, it takes a mental load off people when you're playing those decks. Like if they draw a card and they're like, oh, I already have this card, I know what this does. They don't have to sit there and read the card and try to process it and figure out how everything works together. And it's, yeah, it's very, the, um, if you want to build some of these decks, actually, uh, the, you can find the list for all the three, the 30 card um, new player decks. I don't know exactly what they're called. Uh, welcome decks, I believe. Um, those lists are online and you can just go build those decks yourself with your draft chaff or whatever and kind of substitute cards as you need. Um, I actually built a number of those decks for with my bulk for uh, my brother when he was teaching some of the kids at the school he was at um, how to play magic. He just gave them and gave them away to him. And that's another thing too. If you if you can, and you're teaching somebody, if you can build a deck like that and let them keep it, <laughs> mm. like that's really cool. If like because then they're like, this is my deck. Yeah, it it gives them it gives them something that they can improve upon, and it it's it's literally a hook. Mm-hmm. Like they're holding something physical that now ties them to the game, and it will motivate them to actually do something involving that game. As mm-hmm. where you know, if you just like you know, you roll up, you play a couple games with them, and then you take everything away with you, all they have is their experience. Mm-hmm. And that's not necessarily enough for some people. Yeah, a physical memento is powerful. Uh, immensely that's why you know like that's why if you like go to a, a bank or something you know to like try and open stuff they give you pens with their name on it like yeah. it's it's not just because oh here have a pen because pens are you know you know a universally good thing it's like it's that is a physical thing that now ties you to that bank mm-hmm. and, you, and you have to look at it when you write it it's i mean it's advertising basically and that's kind of what this is yeah like you're you're advertising the game to someone you know like if like if you go to a fair and you know some random like uh, what is it the 
the red little were the guys in little red trucks. They gave like all the kids these tiny little cardboard trucks that were piggy banks, and they were an auto glass repair kit thing. And like <laughs> to this day, I remember that. I have not been to a parade to get one of those since I was eight. <laughs> Two decades have gone by, and I remember we're the guys in the little red trucks as their jingle because they that's, gave me those little boxes. Str- that's marketing like crazy, there, like, right? Absolutely. <laughs> they like, get their... Physical things have power like that. And if you can tie it into something, too, like, um, so my wife, when we started playing, she kind of used my decks for a while and was like, eh. But when she really kind of found her stride with magic for a period of time, um, we did. We bought a box of M13, and we did a sealed tournament with it. Mm-hmm. Like four of us, I think there is. And we split it, and she. So she built like a kind of built like a soldier deck with that. She she got Audric in the in her packs, I think. And the so she took that and she's like, well, could I make this a deck I could play all the time? And so we built her um um or worked and built a mono white soldier deck for her. Uh, which she still has to this day and still plays it. It was kind of her, that was kind of her intro or her big hook into things. And that deck is ridiculously powerful also. <laughs> it can be. Yeah, it's actually like, pretty good. Like her, her good draws are not reasonable for a casual deck. No, no. <laughs> but, and it's really funny because she's one of those people that, and this might be something for when you're getting people in down the line, build, you know, helping them build decks and figuring out, um, find a hook for them, because that's what um, each deck my my wife's built has been. And she doesn't like building decks, so I do a lot of help with the building of the deck. She's like, this is, she's like, this is what I want, and I kind of dig up cards and find stuff, and we go, you know, I'll say which card do you th- would you rather have in here and stuff like that. And she makes the choices, but um, like the the decks that she came across were she start she usually with the rare she you know. New people will do this all the time. The rares they pull, they'll build decks around them. Because mm-hmm. um, it's the cards you have. So I think she had ended up getting like a Gisela. Oh, no, was it Gisela or Ariella? Uh, it was Ariella. Okay, that's Gis- the name of the, the card. I can't yeah. remember now. Aurelia the War Leader. Oh, Aurelia, there you are, the War Leader, yeah. She got that card and then had some... Uh, like ended up building a deck with like that and some other big flyers. I think Thundermaw Hellkite was in the deck. Yeah, Thundermaw Hellkite um, was in there. She... It was, but it was a it was a white red deck that was like dragon, basically dragons and angels. Yes. And eventually, and it was like a sixty card deck. And eventually, once we started playing EDH, she built she built the Drangels deck, <laughs> which was a dragon and angel EDH deck, which then eventually split off into a dragon EDH deck and a angels EDH deck. And so, like, those were her hooks to start building decks to use those things. And then I don't know where the flickered slime deck came from, but... Uh, her understanding that building evil, evil decks is entertaining to watch other people suffer besides everyone but you? Because I thought about building that deck, I think, and I don't know how she ended up ended up making it, but... Yeah, that deck's dirty when it gets going. <laughs> yes. It's like, well, I have no land and no reasonable permanence, so I guess I'll just sit here. I'm just going to sit but. here and die to her repeatedly bouncing her Sylvan Primordial. Uh, 60 card casual, how I love you. <laughs> that deck's also, like, brutal once it gets going. That's mm-hmm. the thing, like, her ideas for decks are also remarkably good. Like, 
or I suppose remarkably is not the word I want to use, but like they are good for like this is my you know this is the casual six card deck I want to make. <laughs> you know, it's not like built around like a mechanic yeah. necessarily. Here's the, here's the deal though. Like if she wanted to put as much time into magic as like you or I, probably even me, and and put that much thought into it and stuff like that, she would be better than either of us. Probably. Like if she put, if she put the amount of time I put in, she would be better than you. <laughs> like she like I'm not joking, man. Like she is super super she's really good with puzzles and logic things and like she's very good with stuff like that. And I think if she if she learned how to approach magic, like she would just smoke us all. Hmm. So, so you're saying that I shouldn't that. try and get her to play modern. You could, but <laughs> She she also tilts out super hard, so that's a problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For someone who likes to destroy all of her opponent's lands, she doesn't really like when she has land issues. No, or when you copy her permanence, but or steal, or steal her permanence. Or counter that's what it was. them. Or counter them, but or play anything that's blue related. You, yeah, that's something you get over in time though, and stuff like that. <laughs> but you know, it's frustrating. But okay, so we have a a monocolor forty card deck or whatever like that. We got two of them because we're gonna play them against each other. Because if I play my standard card deck against your forty card deck of random jank, there this will is not be gonna a go balance. well. Yes. So how do you play the the first game? This is a legitimately complicated question because. <laughs> A lot of places and a lot of people that you talk to, if they're like, if they're getting a new person into magic, they're of the belief that you let that person win their first game. Always. And I don't take such a hard line with that. My thing is, is that they need to enjoy the first game. Yeah. Like that, that is all. They don't necessarily have to win, but if they enjoy it, that's the key. Yeah, some people that may some people that may be winning, and it's better if you know the person you're teaching because you can adapt to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like that's that's like like I said, that's a problem that I have where like I can't just let someone win. And obviously, if I'm teaching someone how to play magic, I'm going to be more skilled at magic than they are. Yep. And it's very difficult for me to not take advantage of that. Yeah. But I mean, and, it is not it is not unheard of for me. Ex like even at like you know F and M against like the young kid or something, I will not play completely optimal. It might not yep. necessarily be close, but I'm still not going to play at you know 100 percent power, as it were. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes in situations like that, I find it good to um, set either like set a restriction on yourself. Um, saying you're only going to do certain things or like in, in your head obviously mm -hmm. but you're only going to do certain things or you're only going to play in a certain way or you're you're um or, or trying to use your cards to to make them do something so that you can explain a function of the game um and that is a big thing for the first game too don't over explain anything like we the comp rules for magic are it's the size of a freaking phone book if you printed it off. Like, literally. Like, <laughs> literally. Like, there are tons and tons and tons and tons of rules for magic. You don't need to know a very small amount of them to play to play magic. Yes. Like, to just play the game. That's it. 
The odds like, of if you know the odds sorry? of a new player needing to know how layers work are almost zero. Or the stack work. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, like honestly, I know this is actually a, a giant point of dispute. You should not teach a new player how to use the stack. I got through a long time of magic without knowing how to use the stack. I mean, like, to it, be fair, that means you can't teach them how to use counterspells. Yes, you can. You don't explain the stack. True. And you just and you just say, well, so what this means is that when I play a play, you know, a card that isn't a land, you can play this and get rid of it at the time I play it. Boom, done. You didn't explain the stack, and you explained how to use the card. And yeah, there's a lot more nuance to it and stuff like that, but guess what? You're not getting into counter wars with new players, and if you are, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> yes. Like, you you want to explain stuff in in a simple term like that. It's It, it doesn't... It, all it does is confuse and frustrate people when you throw a big pile of information at them. And maybe there's certain people that are ready for that, but I, I mean... 99 point insert a number of nines after that because it doesn't matter it's the the vast majority of people you don't want to give them that extra information yeah there there is an actual thing known as information overload and it is an yeah. actual thing that like the brain can only handle so much at a time that's why they don't throw you into a new job on the first day you know working lunch rush at a mcdonald's yeah, like even even though that isn't brain surgery, it's there's a lot going on. Yeah, like there's a lot going on. And it takes time to adapt to that job. Like that is that is that is actual reality. Like you need to start slowly with people. You know that's why. Yeah. Like you know, I was I was joking with Fletcher earlier, but I was like, when you teach someone how to play Magic, you don't hand them a modern deck and play Twin against them. Yeah, you are. You do not do that. There is so much going on that they will not be able to understand it. Not, not, I mean, because not only, not even just because you're playing an infinite combo and trying to explain how an infinite combo works. <laughs> yeah, and like, there's people that that play have played Magic for a while that don't get how some of those decks work. Mm-hmm. Like, so, and that's the thing is like, basically, what you need to teach people in their first games is how to cast a spell, how land works, creature combat. That's basically there. it. That's like that's like ninety percent of the game there, and then the rest is just details. And you start kind of hitting those points as you go. And luckily, they've kind of stripped down some of the like superfluous rules from Magic, like Mana Burn not being a thing is really nice um, for teaching people. Yeah, it's they've uh, made it so much easier to teach a new person yeah. how to play Magic. Because Magic's a hard game. Like I think we forget that all the time. Like Magic is a really complex game. Ridiculously. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, like, that's why it attracts people, too. Like, it doesn't just attract people mm -hmm. because of the art, you know. It is complex, yeah. and learning something complex makes you feel good about yourself. Yep. And, and yeah, that first deck you're building, you obviously want to leave out some of the really crazy cards and stuff like that, but, you know, include. it's okay to include some cards that have a little play to them, you know, that have some have a little more going on than just what it, just, you know, a basic card with flying or vigilance or whatever like that. You know, there's because if you make the make it too boring, people will just be like, "Well, I thought this was supposed to be cool." Yeah, like I mean, not. like <laughs> you can you know toss a frost a frost links into the blue deck. Toss oh a, for sure. Toss like uh, toss a blaze into the red deck. 
Oh man, that's splashy. Yeah, like Blaze is unbelievably splashy. It's versatile. It changes. Don't give them a fireball because that is a wall of text that is not easy to understand on the first read. This is true. <laughs> like fireball is noticeably more complex than Blaze is. Yes, but even I mean, though ninety like, percent of the time they're the same card. <laughs> yeah, like, and you can even do the whole like you could play, you know, like all oh, the red deck has a lightning bolt and the green deck has a giant growth, and you can mm -hmm. teach them that interaction. Yep. Like, you don't want to teach it right away because that is the stack and it is complicated because you have to explain how that mm -hmm. all works. But it is still worth teaching them. Mm -hmm. You know, and you like you know if you're playing the red deck and they cast a giant growth on something, you don't have to bolt it in response. You can you know yep. let that go as it goes, and then later on do the same thing. Yep. That's the thing is, is you're not trying to play optimally. You're trying to create a good experience. You're trying to let them experience the game. Mm -hmm. And, you know, first game, just play heads up. Just show hands. Like, yeah. it's just so much easier, like, because they don't know what's going on. The mana system is a very, um, or casting costs, at least, are, are very confusing for a new player. Absolutely. I remember when I first got into it, I, you know, and I see this card that it's like, well, it has a two next to this green symbol. So do I need two of those green symbol to cast it? And it's like, yep. yeah. Fortunately for me, actually, I had a really old program that came out in a 7th edition starter set that it was literally a game of magic, and it taught you through that. There you go. I had to learn with the rule books and stuff like that, so it was harder. Technology did <laughs> but, not exist back in the time of the dinosaurs, unfortunately. So No, it did not, unfortunately. <laughs> but, so, yeah. Okay, so we've got the first game of magic through... This person's started playing. You guys have your casual group. You play some magic. And they generally know how to play magic. What's next? Um, so I'm a huge believer that basically almost every magic player, if they're okay playing with people, should hit up a pre-release whenever it comes out. Absolutely. They are the best event for bridging the gap between a kitchen table player and a player at a store who plays Friday, who plays FNM all the time. Mm. Like they're not, not even that it's, it's just a big thing for bridging the gap between kitchen table and community. Yes, it is. It really, really is. It, it, it is the one event that brings people together all the time. And the events are designed to do that. I mean, we we often rail about FNM being a casual event, and we and we believe that, but there is disagreement with that, and that's fine. Um, but I, pre releases are the one thing that I think if you if you do not believe that these are the event to get people into Magic, you're wrong. You are just flat out wrong. I, you, I'll take the stand on that one. If you show up to a pre release and you're all serious business, like you know no chatty Cathy or anything with your opponents and you're just like, you crush them, sign the match slip and walk away. It's like, you should not be at a pre-release. Mm -hmm. Like it is. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I have salted out at a pre-release before. <laughs> I've seen, I've, yeah, we, I think you know, I have too. That's okay. Stuff happens, but, but uh -huh. you shouldn't. And like I've yeah. pre-releases are like, I, if I start to salt out, I will just start talking to my opponent about 
anything related to like them or their deck because it will get me to not focus on what happened. Like I, mm-hmm. and this actually happened at the the noon one I did on Sunday where like my opponent was playing a three color deck and they had Bantu the Glorified and the Scorpion God in their deck. And they cast Bantu on turn four and they cast Scorpion God later and this is all in game one. And I beat them. <laughs> I beat like probably honestly the worst of the base five gods and hands down like the best of the other three in my opinion. Like mm-hmm. because the the red black god by the scorpion god by himself will just take over a game. And I beat him, and the guy who was judging walked by and saw the two gods, and he's like, those are gods. And then he walked away, and he walked back, and we're shuffling up. He's like, wasn't able to do it, John. I'm like, no, I beat them. They're just gods. <laughs> <laughs> and then I wound up losing a really close game two and a really close game three. And, the, you know, this, this is the guy who I faced against him a lot, and he actually has a positive win rate against me. But he's, he does, like, all the cardinal sins that I don't agree with limited. He's almost always splashes. Like, universally, yeah. he will splash. And he always tends to have really good luck with his mana. And, like I said, he has a, he has a good win rate against me. And I get annoyed by the fact that he's, like, breaking the, my own personal rules and winning anyways. And it just annoys me. And, you know, I started almost salting out against him, and I just started talking to him about it, his deck. Like, I, I talked to him about his splash, even though his splash was one of the things that annoyed me. I just talked, like, I talked to him about our match history, which he didn't even know. Like, he <laughs> you know, like, I remember this stuff because that's who I am, but, like, he didn't even know. I'm like, oh, you had, like, I've only beat him, like, once or twice ever in a match. Like, he actually has a really good win rate against me, and I'm talking to him about, like, the first big match I remember against him, and it calms me down. Like, I'm trying to make it, like he's and he's not a new player by any stretch of the imagination, but mm-hmm. I'm still trying to make myself a better person for any new players who are around because you know I am a member of my community that and you know I want to be a good member of my community. Yeah, and and this is the place that it happens most often. Obviously, you you need to be a good community member at you know F and M's and basically almost everywhere but like pre-releases are so focused towards the 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 new player to some degree that this is the place where we need to show people that magic is not only a cool game but there's a lot of cool people and you can have a really cool experience playing it absolutely like and and that's the biggest thing about these somewhat randomish shout out I think it was the 6 o'clock one on Saturday. My round one opponent, I believe her name was Summer. She had never previously, she had never built her own magic deck before that pre-release. The first magic mm-hmm. deck she ever built for herself was her sealed deck. And cool. Yeah, like, and she, like, she sits down and, like, we we start talking like she makes a comment about like you know oh yeah i'm like i'm relatively new and blah blah i'm like oh you know i'm one of the best players in this store and like i was given this playmat for being a pillar of the community and she's like oh i literally bought this playmat 20 minutes ago from the store <laughs> and we start like talking about stuff like that and another one of my friends who was sitting nearby 
he heard me make the comment about I'm one of the best players in the store, and she's like, and he's like, he's also very humble in case you haven't noticed. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, like she's she's new, and like I I you know I play like I play, and I wind up winning, but I I'm not like like we're chatting the whole time about it. And, like, I'm even, like, talking through, like, her plays and stuff as she does it, you know, in, in a manner that doesn't make me seem like an asshole, or I'm trying not to seem like an asshole, at least. And, you know, like, when it's all said and done, like, at some point I mentioned the fact that we have a podcast, and she's like, well, I'm actually interested in this podcast, you know. Um, I'm interested, so I, like, I gave her the information on it. I'm like, yeah, you know, we talk about playing Magic at the local level and trying to get better in that regard and stuff like that, and, like... It's not, and you know, like that—that that was her first pre-release. That was her first time building her own deck, and those are the kind of like that is important to the community that I value so highly. That you know, like she has a good experience. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously she has to deal with my massive ego that's like filling half the room. But you know, even, <laughs> I, I'm very tongue-in-cheek about my ego because I know I have one. I mean, like, you got to know your flaws, right? Yeah, like I know it's. I know that my ego is absurd, and I play to it to like I make a joke out of myself because of it. Yeah, like that's yeah. that's something that I do, and like it, you know, it's something to joke about with a new player that you yeah know, they can kind of identify. Like, yeah, your ego is hilariously overblown. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, shout out to Summer if she or. Hopefully, I, John got I, the name right. I also. think I know her name starts with an S. Maybe. Like, if, if not, he's a big old jerk, and yeah, you're more, still awesome. We appreciate you. I'm, the uh, the more I talk the about it, the more I feel like I'm wrong. But you never know. <laughs> if you're listening, send us send us an email to the the address at the end of this episode. Tell us <laughs> how wrong we are, and we'll shame John mercilessly. Do it. But no, that's cool. Like, and I I've played against some. Uh, a number of people or a few people before who have been or like the first you know like oh this is my first pre-release or or oh i haven't played magic in years and i'm coming back and you know it's really cool to see people come out that this is their first their first time or their first time in a long time and you know th that's what we're trying to do is we're trying to 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 build up this community so that there's so that so that there's more opportunity to, for some of it too like even for like FNMs and stuff like that, if people want to start going to those, like, you know, you can show up and play standard and draft and all that stuff. But like, there's, you know, the casual events, the um, Planeswalker Society stuff that goes on. Um, you know, I mean, even, even just legacy, you know, I think that's actually grown in our store from just encouraging more people to come and play. Yeah, like it's it's a really nice thing like for it to grow and like I've I've jokingly I've joked about this a lot where like there'll commonly be like uh, special events for magic where it's like, Oh, bring in a friend who doesn't already have a DCI and you can win this and I'm like, I don't have any friends that don't already have a DCI number. So like <laughs> I'm all out of friends. Yeah, like I really value new people to the community for that reason because like I can't personally get anyone into it. Like, yeah. All of my friends, or it's harder for you at least. Yeah, all of my friends who are interested in magic already play magic. Yeah, <laughs> like I can't get any more. So at this point, it's kind of like, yeah, I do value these other people that other people bring in because they are new people, and I want my community to grow. I want it to thrive. I want it to like be a true community because it's important mm -hmm. to me. 
Yeah. I was like, I don't. I want to be able to continue playing Magic, and to be able to continue playing Magic, you need new people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to go along with that, so once once people start coming to F and M's and other events and things like that, like just be aware that everyone's not the same skill level as you. Like, I, I feel like that's something we we forget that. Magic. Uh, yeah, I, I say this a hundred times, but magic is really complex, and understanding what's going on is a very important thing. And I think I've told this story before, but um, it was you. You were playing. Um, it was back. Origins was legal, but you were playing like a Nantuko Husk deck. Oh yeah, the and you were playing the, the Rally mirror. the Ancestors Mirror. Yep, and you were playing you, the you mirror. You want to talk the about magic. deck complexity that you should not give it to oh, a person? Yeah. Those decks. <laughs> yes. So. We were standing there watching because you were the last game. I think it was like the finals you were playing against um, uh, Amir Mesh. It was a great game. And basically a card got played and everybody's like, oh, snap! Like they they do. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, I think I, I think you won that, didn't you? Yes, I won on like I think your four of turns. Yeah. Yeah, and your and your opponent was like, "Scoot, yeah, like Scoot was like, oh man," and then you guys were doing stuff. And I noticed this this person standing off to the side, just with a confused look on their face, kind of looking back and forth at people, like not knowing what's going on. So I actually wandered over and was like, "Okay, so this is what's happened," and I I, I explained the whole play, like like basically like, "Okay, so with this he can make it unblockable, and then once it's unblockable, he can sacrifice it here, and that gives him lethal damage." And since his opponent's tapped out, there's nothing he can blah. And and afterwards, after I explained the stuff, they're like, "Oh, okay," and they're like. Thank you, by the way, because I had no idea what was going on, but that just made it perfectly clear. Yeah. So, like, stuff like that, like, just paying attention to to the other people there. Um, and, I mean, someone like me, I'm not a big... Talk, I'm, not, I'm not usually a person who goes and asks questions or... Um, Seek, you know, tries to seek people or, or talk to people I don't know because I, I tend to be a nervous person. I have a little bit of anxiety talking to people like that in new places. But so, like, it can be hard for people like that. But so, just be aware. Obviously, don't be overbearing, but just be aware of that, you know? Yeah, like, remember that magic is not a spectator sport, it is a very it's bad not. <laughs> So like, yeah. and then you know the those of us who know how everything works, and we can be like, oh, this happened and this happened. It's like, it's not unheard of for even like I can walk up, look at a board state, and I can be like, you know, so and I'll like think something is a certain way, and I'm wrong because I missed something. Yeah. Now imagine someone mm-hmm. who doesn't know what those cards do innately. Yeah. Like, I can look at. I, a board I mean, state I had trouble parsing it too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like. I can look at a board state and I can in in a format and be like, oh, I know what these cards do because I recognize those cards just based on art alone. And it's mm-hmm. like you know, like yeah, a lot of people understood how the Rally the Ancestors mirror worked because that was one of the best decks in the format. But yep, every one of those cards had an ability that was extremely relevant, and they all did different. That was a complicated deck. Yeah, I, I yeah, God, I love that deck. That deck was, that was a fun deck, but. Yeah, so like it's just being aware, helping people out. Uh, you know, th- there's a lot of things you can do that take no skin off your back. It's like you know, how many people when they finish a draft they just pull all the chaff out of their deck and leave it on the table and wander away. Mm-hmm. It's like it, it, you know, if you play against somebody who seems new or something, it'd be like, here, have my chaff. Yeah, I mean, like that's cool. It's like to to you that those are nothing cards and don't mean anything, but to yeah. somebody that may be like, you know, 
a, a decent addition to their collection. Yeah. Or like I remember I played. Chaff. Yeah. I mean, I remember I played against some guy or something. We played a couple games. I played, a, I think I had a crappy deck or something like that. And we were talking, talking about stuff like that. And he's like, oh, yeah. He's like, I was kind of thinking about doing this deck or something. And it's like, it, it, it was a deck that used like a 50 cent rare, like some junk casual deck or something like that. I'm like, okay. I pulled it on my binder. I'm like, here. Like, I mean, it's yeah, like, have it. Uh, it's like, I'm, I'm never going to trade that card away. It, it was an, it was a bulk rare. It wasn't even a 50 cent rare. It was like, it was just some junk rare or something that I'm never going to use. I'll, you know, I'll put in a box or something and stick it somewhere. But it's like here, have it. Make make your sweet deck and you know, you know, have fun. Like, and that's going to get people to want to come back. And I'm not saying you got to throw cards at people like crazy or anything like that. But it's just like you know, have a little consideration for people sometimes. Yeah, give people. If you give someone a good memory about something, they are more inclined to come back to it. Mm-hmm. And that, like, that's the entire goal of this episode and all of that. Like, you want people to come to Magic and stick with it. I mean, mm-hmm. even like, no one sticks with Magic forever. Everyone always no. comes back to Magic. No one can ever quit it forever. But you know, <laughs> it, it ebbs and flows. Yeah, like it it ebbs and flows. But like, you just once it gets its hooks in, it'll do the rest. But you need to actually make it so that it actually works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All they have I mean, are bad memories about it. They're not going to come back to it. And and as I said, I'm a very very selfish person, but I honestly believe that the best way to get the best benefit for yourself is to help other people like this, and to be and to be good to other people, and to make people want to come back. Because I get more cool magic sets. I get people who realize that I'm a person who was going to help people, and they're going to help me, and. And I, you know, I get a, a larger community with my store, with more prizes and more events and more. Like, there's just all this upside for me by doing this. Like, and you know, it's as I said, it's selfish on my end, but that's, but helping other people furthers those goals for me. I mean, like, like, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Like, that's I for the same, not the same reasons, but you know, like, <laughs> I I benefit from from all of those same things. It's mm-hmm. like that's what I want. You know, I yeah. want the community to grow. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I think we've um uh, talked this one to death pretty much. Do you have anything anything left, John? All right. So I was gonna have a big rant today. Okay. But I'm burnt to a crisp, and I don't have the energy. <laughs> Fair enough. So instead, I'm going to ask you a question that is very near and dear to your existence. Okay. In Legacy, All right. should they unban Tinker? In Legacy? Yes. Jeez. <laughs> uh, probably not, man. Like, I think it's just too good. Why? Oh, so, not, now I got to think about it. So these, this is my the philosophy on it. All right. Yep. Like, or Tinker okay. is very, very similar to Show and Tell. Yes. Show and Tell can turn one or two, or put an Emrakul the Aeon's Torn into play. Yeah. It effectively wins the game on that turn. 
Mm-hmm. Tinker, on turn two or three, I don't know if you can speed it out on turn one, can put a Blightsteel Colossus in play and win the game the turn after. Mm-hmm. So it's this—it's the same speed, if not slower, in that regard than Show and Tell. Mm-hmm. Tinker was completely and totally broken with Memory Jar. Memory Jar, I'm yeah. pretty sure, is banned in Legacy. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that. it is. But, you know, if it is, it's for a damn good reason, and if it's not, it's because it's a 5-mana uh, artifact that, you know, takes forever to get out. But even if you Tinker it out, like, the only deck that can take advantage of something like Memory Jar is a Storm deck, which Storm is already a turn 2 or 3 deck, and I don't think Tinker is going to speed that up by any means. And I, okay. I I could be completely missing some completely broken artifact that's just not in my brain. Uh, it is banned in Legacy Memory Jars. So you can't you don't okay. have to worry about memory jars. So the most broken thing you can do is put a Blightsteel Colossus in play. Which it still requires more work to a degree, or actually requires the same amount of work, because you need to have an artifact in play to sacrifice to Tinker, just like you have to have the card in hand to put in play with show and tell. And I do not personally think that Tinker is actually worth being on the ban list anymore. I, if I can I'm going to disagree. I say if I can pick one card to unban, it should be Mind Twist. But Tinker is a clear yes, list. free Mind Twist. Yes, but so I'm going to give my bad argument right away. All right. Do we really want to give Blue anything else? I don't think it matters. I think it matters more than you think. All it all it does is give Blue an artifact-based combo deck instead of the every other possible iteration of combo deck they already have available to them. Yeah. And I don't. But think do we really need another Blue combo deck? <laughs> will it even be good? Like it's literally uh, just it maybe. Uh, it's it, it it is not literally just show and tell. Like, there's a lot more you can do with it. Like, you're, you're, you're thinking about tinkering the game-winning piece is all. Mm-hmm. And that's not necessarily, like, just because it's a two-card combo. I mean, I think you could slot it in in a lot of places and still just do dumb things. Like, because it, fi- I mean, it finds anything you need. Like, that's just really, really good and really, really powerful. And So, I mean, like, would Tinker in a like, Tesserator deck really be bad, though? Maybe I don't know. I'm not that good, but like I don't know. I, like I'm, I'm just thinking it's like well I could just it. You can just put it in so many decks. Like I mean, if they unban Tinker, like do I just put it in Land Still? I think I do. Yeah, but then you have to start playing artifacts. Okay, I play I play like two Blight Steels or one Blight Steel. Or well, no, you have to play an artifact whatever. to sack to it. It requires you to play cheap artifacts. I, I have Mishra's Factory. I'm. Sure. So then all of a sudden your your uh, your tanker costs four mana? In a deck that basically sits and plays with itself for how many turns and then just slams a card on the table and is like walk off the field? Eh, I, I don't think that's a bad thing. Because even then, it's I slow mean, enough to not be oppressive. Because it is still slower than see, every I... other combo deck. I don't know, man. It's just so dangerous. 
it's so dangerous because the thing is, is it makes any artifact good. Like, as in, it's worth playing any artifact, or it can make, like, the ridiculously expensive can, ones good? It can get any artifact, is the thing. And, and I don't even think it has to be a particular... It, I, I don't even think it has to be more than three mana. The thing is, is it can get any artifact. That's huge. That is absolutely huge, and I think you're under-evaluating it. So, even even in that regard... I can't, like, so at that point you're playing, like, you're playing, you know, a fair version of, like, a Tinker Toolbox deck, right? Yeah. Like, why is that a bad thing? Why is someone playing a Control-y style deck with Silver Bullets, as it were, a bad thing? Like, I think the deck is, like, I think if Top was in the format, the deck, like, Tinker would be oppressive. Well, like, that, way yeah. more oppressive. T- that, at that point, it's literally free. Like, yeah, and, that, and that, that's so. a big piece there. Like, now you actually do have to play artifacts and stuff like that, but I, I still think it is just very dangerous, man. Like... <sighs> Maybe. I mean, there's there's obviously less broken things you can do than Blightsteel, but I think those are still just too good. Like, it it just eventually hits a point where why don't you just play it for a lot of decks, I think. I don't know. I think I think the additional cost of Tinker is a bigger factor. It's it's probably less of... Man. It is probably a bigger factor or it, it is a less of a factor than I think, but it's a bigger of a factor than you think. If that makes that is sense. a fair that is a fair assessment. Just like, like I think the card is more dangerous than you think, but it's less dangerous than I think. Yeah, like I, <laughs> I think it's that somewhere we, in between us. Yeah, having to sacrifice an artifact to make it do anything, I think, is an actual large cost. It's it's like kind of a cost. Like I think it's a little bigger it, than it's, kinda. it's one of those things. But it's one of those things where it's like Delver has a cost to it, and it has a significant cost to it. I'm but not, the thing not is, is that co- <laughs> but the, but the thing is, is that cost is paid when you build your deck. True. And but, tink- and tinker is exactly the same way. You're paying that cost when you're building your deck. Yeah, but you also open up yourself to hate cards for that exact thing. Also, like if you're playing artifact, lands, I mean, you, you open yourself up okay. to having a weakness to wasteland. I mean, and if you play burn, you have a weakness to you know leyland of sanctity. So yeah. okay, like. But, like, any deck is going to have something like that. But the thing is, is, you also have to play... You also... Your opponent has to be playing those cards. Mm-hmm. Well, I think and, Waste, Wasteland is a little more oh, omnipresent. Yeah, wasteland. Than, uh... <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, if they if they want to Wasteland your artifact land, it's, like, cool, I guess. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, I think it should be up for consideration. I understand why it is banned... Because the fear is absolutely there. Like, I understand that. I get that. I just disagree mm-hmm. with it. I, I'm not just writing this off here. Like, I just think, like, I'm not good. <laughs> we'll just start off with that. And I've messed around with that card and like, uh, some, like, decks on Forge and stuff like that. And it just enables ridiculous things. 
Like, absolutely absurd, broken, over-the-top things. And I think, you know, a, a lot of them are just kind of, re like, they're reasonable. And I'm sure I'm sure the problem is, is that we're just not seeing something that is just absolutely busted. I mean, probably, like, like I said, like, I, just comparing it to decks that already exist, I cannot think of a way that it would be in any way worse than what we already deal with, as it were. I think I think show and tell is more fair than Tinker. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, you can't you can't tinker into your opponent's Emrakul, but you can show and tell into it. True. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. You can have the lovely strategy of I'll just put my own Emrakul in play off of your show and yeah. tell. Or 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 one of my favorites is uh they play they do an Emrakul and you're like Aether Adeptor Mana War or something like that. Yep. Deal bounce. So one of my arguments for though is just like I'm sitting here thinking about it and I'm like, is it any worse than Reanimator? Worse as in more oppressive? Yes, like like is it is it better, faster, stronger? I I honestly don't think so. And like, that's where that's where I'm coming up with. I'm like, I feel like Reanimator is just honestly like better in a lot of ways. Yeah, like I I'm not gonna lie, it there is a non-zero chance that Tinker would result in basically the death of Show and Tell, because instead yeah. of playing, you can basically play nothing but cantrips to find your Tinker, and then Tinker mm -hmm. into your one of Light Steel. Yeah. But, I mean, you basically just play like brainstorms and tinkers, and like yeah. that's it. I mean, you could even throw throw in a couple tutors or something for good measure. And but I mean, like, there's, if you wanted to play like blue black, like you there, don't even have to do that. Yeah, there is also the problem with doing like that deck kind of already existed. It was the yeah. mono blue omniscience deck, but that deck was powerful because it had dig through time. Dig through time is not mm -hmm. legal anymore, so digging for just your single play set of tinker is a lot more difficult. As to where, and it's also a lot more easily hated out if your opponent happens to cast something like a meddling mage. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know. I don't know. I, I I think there's some. I think there's probably something we're missing and stuff like that. Probably. I mean, yeah, I mean the obvious reason is we we don't want people tinkering for stuffy dolls. That's the problem. <laughs> yes, I mean obviously I we've kind of expressed before that we're probably a little. I don't like ban lists. Yeah, neither do I. Like, I, I don't like the ban list. Yeah. Too many cards have... Too, cards need to be banned. I uh, completely yes, understand and agree with that. Mm -hmm. But certain things are banned for past transgressions that I do not think are count anymore. Free my boy mind twist. Seriously, that card should not be on the ban list. No, it should, it should get off that ban list. Like, yeah, I want that thing off, but... Okay. I don't even want to play you it. You got your question. Yep, that, that was my yep. question. <laughs> okay. So if you want to send us some feedback, you can shoot us an email at thelocalmeta at gmail.com. Um, you can catch us on Twitter at thelocalmetapc. And all right, I guess it's some uh, time for us to go cool off, John, and get rid of this sunburn. <laughs> give, it, give it about a week. I'm sure I'll stop being lobster-colored. Yeah. All right. So... I guess we will see you all next time. <laughs> <laughs>